0: This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Guys, thank you again for tuning in this week. Last week was all about athlete brand building, and this week is going to be all about how athletes can monetize the brand that they've built. So we're going to be having Malcolm Lemons on here. He's a former pro athlete, as well as an entrepreneur and author. I actually have his book right here. Um, in March, I was on his podcast, so I'm really excited to host him and ask him a bunch of questions and kind of switch roles in a way. How's it going?
1: I'm hanging in there. How you doing?
0: Not too bad. I have your book right here. <laughs> oh,
1: appreciate the support.
0: I have yet to start it, but I'm going to be like digging into it next week. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited to get into it.
1: You broke off for a second. What What'd you say? Oh,
0: that, that I haven't started it yet, but I'm really excited to dive into it. I'm going to start next week.
1: Okay, cool. I'm going to definitely need your feedback on it.
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited because last week, uh, I talked a lot about athlete branding in on the podcast. And so I want to talk more about athlete monetization this week. And I had the pleasure of I kind of introduced you before you came on, of being on your podcast, uh, I think back in in March, and we were both on the tackle what's next panel talking about name, image and likeness. Mm -hmm. And so I know you're you're the expert in speaking about this. I'd like to start just a little bit more about your personal journey uh, with basketball. Like, what was it like playing overseas? And what what was your experience like with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I get that question a lot, obviously, because, you know, a lot of people don't get to travel the world and do something that they love to do. But I would say it was an invaluable experience as a whole. I mean, definitely came with its fair share of obstacles and ups and downs. But, um, you know, playing overseas in Japan and kind of just getting immersed in that culture and, and learning more about, you know, just how to survive I think that was the biggest <laughs> thing' is just how to survive on your own um it was a great experience and you know i wouldn't I wouldn't trade those years of playing basketball overseas for anything
0: oh yeah i I can imagine i know like with snowboarding we traveled to different places but we were never you know like in one completely foreign place for an extended period of time and I can imagine japan Japan like I was in China last year it's it's a totally different culture it's a different world yeah. especially if you're used to you know being at an American school or something like that. And you go over and it's, no one speaks your language.
1: Yeah. People don't think about it. Like it, nine months is a long time to be in a different country, especially when you yeah. don't, you don't know anything about it. And you got to get, you know, acclimated pretty quickly. So it, it's a tough adjustment, but you know, the ones, uh, the athletes who have been playing, you know, for, for several years overseas, I give them all the credit in the world because it's really hard to do.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw someone recently speaking about how much more WNBA players could make overseas but the reason that they want to play back here is like they want to be with their friends and their family and have that exposure and be in that league versus you're really like you're in your own little bubble on the other side of the the world
1: right exactly yeah a lot of those female athletes they they make a lot of money you know playing overseas but you know they they missing a large chunk of the time they could be back home with their families and not playing in the WNBA. so it's, it's a tough um scenario for a lot of them and you see you know as they get further along in their careers, a lot of those females will sit out um, and not go overseas because, you know, they probably made the money they wanted to make or they just, you know, they're getting older and they want to spend time with their family. So it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. And, you know, I give all the credit in the world to those those females and even the male athletes who are playing overseas.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it happens in a lot of sports. There's definitely a lot of monetization opportunities. Why do you think that overseas has potentially more money for these athletes?
1: I think it's because, uh, you know, you're hitting a demographic that you probably wouldn't reach in the in the United States. Um, I, I don't think a lot of athletes think go- globally when it comes to their brand and their platforms, when there's tons of opportunities to make money, um, connecting with a different fan base or, um, you know, audience that you might not have being back in the, in the U.S. So I think that when you think about your, your, your brand from a global perspective, that kind of opens up a lot of more opportunities and doors and, partnerships and collaborations that you could be taking advantage of. Um, But to me, that's just a mindset shift that athletes have to start applying uh, when it comes to, you know, their brand and the opportunities that they could be, you know, taking advantage of.
0: Mm, That's such a good point, because I think a lot of athletes think very local. Or even they think just within their sport or the level of sport that they're at, but they don't realize that you can be a bridge to these different areas, you know, geographically or uh, demographically. There could be a lot of different connections that you can make as an athlete.
1: Yeah, I mean, sports is, you know, it's worldwide. You, think, you know, you this basketball, football, soccer. These are all sports that are played in different countries. And so uh, when you when you think about how many people are in the world, you know, and you kind of apply that to the opportunities that you could be taking advantage of, you know, that, that opens up so many more avenues to make money, to have endorsement deals, sponsorship opportunities, so it's just a variety of different things that athletes could really be taking advantage of uh, when it comes to their their, their brand in, in relation to the world.
0: That's such a good point. There was a, a few snowboarders on my team who didn't get, like, the Burton snowboards or the main snowboard brands, but they ended up getting really huge and lucrative sponsorships with companies that were basically like Asian market focus so like a Chinese snowboard brand who was trying to break into the market and they like crushed it on those deals instead of competing against all the other athletes with the exact same sponsor.
1: Yeah I think I think that's another good point is that you know there might not be as much competition when you're when you're looking at you know other types of endorsement deals or things that might seem out of the box and uh, I think a prime example would be Clay Thompson when he signed with Anta and that was a shoe company that nobody had really heard of, based out of China. But um, he probably got way more money than he would signing with like Nike or Adidas or Under Armour. And he's kind of carving out his own lane, and so he kind of created right. that opportunity for himself and it, and it actually, you know, expanded his brand globally. And I mean, playing for the Warriors, he's he was already gonna be known, you know, overseas. But at the same time, he's uh, he's able to kind of create a bigger fan base and relationship with his audience. Um, by signing with a company overseas as opposed to an American uh, shoe manufacturer, shoe company.
0: Right, totally. Yeah, I think that's such a good point for athletes to think about is like be unique and, you know, seek out these alternative options. Because I know like, for example, everyone wants to be on Nike. Right. But, you know, they have a certain budget and they're going to have those top athletes. And if you're not that top athlete, you're not going to be slotted in over there. So, you know, you could take that deal and try to work your way up or you can get a more lucrative deal somewhere else. It all depends on some of your goals, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think it's a lot about thinking out of the box and thinking differently and understanding that, um, you know, when you take a non-traditional path, that can be so much more lucrative in the long run um, because a lot of people aren't thinking like that. I think about like, if I could add to compare it to something, it's like having that vision to like be a a, a seed investor in, in, in a company like Uber or something. Like those people made millions, like hundreds of millions of dollars because they have the foresight and the vision and they believed in what they were doing. So I think when you apply apply that to your own brand and you might you know you take a non traditional path or an endorsement deal or something like that that people might not see, but you believe in in you as a brand, as a as an athlete and what you can do, um, it can just it can be, you know, lucrative, way more lucrative down the, the line and present more opportunities in the long run, I think.
0: Totally. No, such a good point. Um, I, yeah, we're, we're getting right into the practical and that's amazing. And I want to dive back into this, but I want to get a little bit more of your mindset and how you actually came to this. What were some of the obstacles that you faced as a player that then led to you, you know, becoming an author, becoming an entrepreneur and getting interested in athlete branding?
1: Yeah, so I mean with me being overseas, you know, I kind of backtrack a little bit. My second year playing over in Japan, I came in the middle of the season. We had a huge break probably like a month-long break where we weren't playing any games. We were just practicing for like an hour or two a day. So I just had all this time, and I didn't have, you know, no friends. I didn't really know my <laughs> teammates. I didn't have Wi-Fi. I didn't know the city. So I'm sitting in my room. I have a small loft outside of Tokyo, and I just got nothing but time on my hands, and i computer in front of me I'm like how did I get here you know you start thinking about like you know the obstacles you went through the experiences you had as an athlete and that just it just kind of encouraged me to write you know something that me just said like you know I, I've been through so much to get to this point and it, and I wanted to kind of recollect those thoughts and kind of reflect on my my journey as an athlete and so I started to write and really just put out my story and talk about my life as an athlete and some of those those trials and tribulations to to becoming a pro and people started to resonate with that content um the more i put it out and really just long story short um I, i started to think about how my story as an athlete could inspire other athletes and that's what really made me want to publish that first book and so um i would say that writing was something that allowed me to express myself and it was also very therapeutic and something that came to me very naturally and I still do it to this day for those reasons because um, it's the best way. I think everybody should be communicating with the world in some way, whether that's, you know, like this through video podcasting, the written word, like however you best communicate, you need to be doing that because that's how we that's how we connect with one another. That's how we inspire, empower each other, and educate one another. So uh, for me, that's what it was. And like I said, I still write almost every day uh, because it's, it's my thing. And it was really, you know, as I started to put out more content it was it was more as a means to empower and educate athletes because I saw so so many athletes struggling with the transition with branding with kind of creating an identity or opportunities outside of the the playing field and it was some of the same things that I struggled with, so I'm like, you know here's something that I went through that I know other athletes are experiencing. How can I you know be a catalyst for this? How can I help inspire other people help other athletes? kind of get through these obstacles they're going through. So that's really how it kind of happened for me.
0: Oh, I love that. I think it's so important to, like what you said about communicating with the world and having that outlet. I think it it is therapeutic, but it also can help so many people. And I think we've seen that now. Like I know, you know, influencer marketing kind of took off a few years ago or more than a few years ago. And we had a lot of like, you know, the post pictures and all these things that, that were coming out. And now we're seeing the rise of like, the real talk, the, the behind the scenes, like the people who are sharing about, say, it's their eating disorder in sport or it's their mental health or it's uh, how they were able to get sponsorships or right. um, how they were able to monetize or uh, like their unique ways of how, you know, they were the underdog and they came back and achieved all this those stories are now seeming to hit us harder I find um, than it was at the start of social media times. So how can athletes, you know, tell that story better and make sure that it's connecting um, and and breaking through the noise of, you know, a lot of athletes, they kind of say, oh, social media seems fake. People are just posting their successes. How can they go about actually creating a deeper impact?
1: I think that's the key right there is not trying to portray a lifestyle that is all highlight reels and perfect. You know, like you said, that's what everybody seems to do on social media. But the key is the key to really building a sustainable brand and making impact is talking about the things you're scared to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, being vulnerable and open and d- exposing your insecurities. Because I think for a, for a long time, people viewed ast- athletes as superhumans and that they're these people who are untouchable. They, they're different, you know, they're they're they have. The, all the courage in the world. And a lot of times, like, athletes experience the same things that we all do. You know, they're people. LeBron James has fears, and he's scared of things, and, you know, all these different, you know, obstacles he goes through. He's he's human at the end of the day. So I think that social media has really democratized storytelling as a whole. And when you talk about it in the sports landscape, it's allowed athletes to make a deeper connection with their audience and to humanize them. I think that's really the key is is showing that we're all people at the end of the day, we all experience hardships and go through things in life. And the more we talk about these things and bring them to light, the deeper we'll start to understand one, one another and create more empathy in the world. But also for athletes, it creates deeper relationships with your fan base. And from that comes opportunities, connections, et cetera. So um, I think for athletes, it's just understanding that the more you're scared to put it out, the more you need to put it out. Right. And that's, a, that's an just, important distinction that a lot of people, you know, don't really, don't really kind of take into account. So.
0: Yeah, right. Like those things that are uncomfortable, they're probably the conversations that you should be having. right. Right. I- yeah, the other day I was watching um The Carter Effect, which I, I for some reason I had never watched. And so I was like pumped up about watching it. And it, it just started making me think like, imagine if he had control of his brand at the time when he was basically getting forced off the Raptors. Because he was like, no one knew that and he was booed for years. And his mom talked about how hard it was and like how it would like she would be crying and uh, like it would really break him. You try to like keep it strong together. Obviously, you want to intimidate the other team and you're keeping that persona, but it was hard to have like that fan base, especially a city that you really helped put on the map, like turn on you. the really um,
1: country though, like. That's, it's totally
0: true. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been digging in deeper and we could talk more about that too, about like the culture of sports and how it yeah. actually creates like this change, especially with basketball here here in Canada, like it's our only team. Um, like We have nothing WNBA because we don't have any female uh, basketball team here in Canada. So, like, you go to the the sports stores, you cannot buy anything WNBA. I know, of course, like that's a whole know. other issue. Is like, there's there's going to be less WNBA jerseys even in the U S. If you go to to shop at a at a store, but you can't get anything because it's just there's not the teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, what 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 kind of impact do you think it would have made if there was like social media or that direct like direct to consumer Chat between you know Vince Carter at that time that would have changed the the way he was portrayed basically
1: it's crazy that's that's a great documentary I love that and I used to be a huge well, my my brother was a huge Vince Carter fan back in the day, so I knew a little bit about that story um but i I mean I don't know it's hard to say because I think as we've kind of progressed as a as a society as in the world in general um you know specifically when it comes to masculinity. I think we as men are becoming more open talking about, you know, things we weren't talking about in the past. So even if social media was around back then, I don't know if Vince Carter would have necessarily been, you know, had his iPhone and, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the things he's experiencing, um, you know, his struggles being a Raptor or anything of that, that nature. But I do think, I do think there would have been a significant change uh, with social media being Being around back then, I just don't know what it would have been exactly. So it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say because I think we've made up, you know, leaps and bounds and and really have moved forward as as a society um, with being more open and vulnerable about uh, things we weren't talking about 20, 30 years ago. So,
0: yeah. Oh, totally. So before we we get back into all these practical tips that athletes can do, I, I, yeah, we kind of started on a, like, it got me an idea when we were thinking or talking about the uh, Carter effect documentary like how sports actually changed, especially here in Canada like you said it was beyond Toronto it was mm-hmm. like really making basketball a thing like you drive anywhere like i was just driving today down the street and everyone has a basketball net like anyone you know if they have a teenager in the house or like anyone even younger they have a basketball net. It's pretty much like commonplace. So how do you think that sports I, I can actually, change that?
1: I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I want to touch on that real quick because I think it's important that for younger generations, especially the next generations coming up to understand why storytelling is so important
0: mm.
1: because Vince Carter was like the first major athlete to put a whole country on his back. There would be no, you know, I, I wouldn't say there would be no Steve Nash, but, you know, think about like Tristan Thompson or Corey Joseph or like some of the the really... Uh, you know, good athletes, that have, basketball players in particular that have come out of Canada within recent years, a lot of them grew up watching Vince Carter. And we need to tell these stories because it helps us understand where we come from and where we're trying to go and why our culture matters and why people who have yeah. kind of paved the way matter. So I think that's why that documentary was so important, specifically for the country of Canada um, and what he really meant to the people and how he kind of brought that franchise up. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you but I just at no. like that point <laughs>
0: you know you pretty much answered exactly what I was gonna ask. Like, I just think yeah I think like seeing is so important especially like for example like female athletes like we got mm-hmm. you got to see it for the next generation to be like I could do this I can do this sport if they don't see any girl who is playing basketball or playing football who has a similar story to them it's gonna be hard to inspire them and I think that's why social media is so important like uh, you don't have to be the Olympian or this pro athlete to share your story because there might be someone in your hometown who's just trying to get to the next level and you've gotten to that next level and you, your story connects with them. And everyone has a unique story, which is why your story will connect with different and unique you know, niches in, in the market. And those people will, will use you as inspiration to get where they're going, where they might not even connect with Serena Williams' story or they might not connect with uh, LeBron James' story, but they'll connect with your unique story and what you went through.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a great point. Um, it's, it's really hard to be what you can't see. And I think that, you know, you touched on it when you said niche. I think a lot of people try to reach everybody and they think that their story is not important because they're not reaching everybody. You right. gotta understand that there are gonna be some people who just don't like you because you're female, because you're black, because you play, bat- uh, you know, you're Olympian or you play basketball, whatever the case may be, they might not resonate with your story. But there's somebody out there who will who needs to hear it and you need to tell your story and talk about what you've been through to empower and educate the next generation coming up so i think you really touched on it
0: no i I think that's so important it's 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 why we don't see many for example like nfl football players from canada right we do have the cfl but sports are not treated the same in high school as they are in in the US like you see high school uh, games even on TV sometimes in the US like here you're lucky to get 10 fans to to, Mm. to to your game and and that's even true with hockey which is our main sport but more people do gravitate to hockey which is why every kid growing up is just naturally put there but because of carter and kind of putting us on the map and having that recognition from the league itself the other athletes who are big in the states themselves on him it like got you know people being like more interested in basketball and kids growing up being like i want to be like him and that's how you know kind of that culture of canadian basketball athletes started so like you said i think it's true some of those athletes wouldn't be around and wouldn't have been motivated to play basketball. They might've done a different sport or pursue something in academics or something totally different if they didn't see it.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. Um, So what what are some of the things that you wish that you knew, like when you were an athlete, but from, I know you know a lot now about athlete branding, monetization, like telling your story. Like what are the specific things that you wish that you would have done or knew back then?
1: It's really difficult to say because when I was in college and even playing overseas for a few years, social media still wasn't quite as prevalent as it is today. I mean, it was getting there, um, but I, I remember like when Instagram first came, when I first got on Instagram, it was like 2013. Yeah, I could mean, post someone with a
0: guitar or something. Right. It had nothing to do with anything.
1: The filters and stuff. Like I remember <laughs> yeah. those days. Like, and so I would say that I wish, I'm not going to say I wish I would have been built. I I wouldn't say I wish I would have been building my brand necessarily, but I I wish I would have used, leveraged social media to probably create more relationships. Mm. I think it's great for that and connecting with like-minded people. Um, But I can't really say, I I, I can't really say that I wish I would have been building my brand because I just, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't what it, what it is today. And I don't know. Uh, i mean it could have been beneficial you know me kind of getting a jump start on it but uh i think the most important thing is really creating relationships and connections with people who um you know can it could be beneficial long term and it could be a valuable relationship on both sides so um uh, that's one thing that i definitely wish i would have done more of kind of step outside of my my bubble of being an athlete and connected with people who um you know, I, I thought, you know, we're doing interesting things or, uh, you know, involved in something that I might want to be involved in, or at least just acting on some of my passions or things that I were was interested in outside of basketball. So I think that's kind of important for all athletes to understand is that, you know, that window is short. So if you have other things that you're interested in, or, you know, you have other passions, um, take advantage of that time and explore them because, you know, once you're done, you're done and you're going to have to figure it out really quickly so don't don't let anybody kind of box you in and i kind of stayed in that box because i thought it was what i should be doing
0: right no i i think i totally agree with you i think we it was probably around the same time when yeah i started on instagram there was those filters and like you'd have like a black box around it oh it's yeah yeah super weird times on instagram (laughs) it was like it was completely new i think back then like twitter was probably my main which is crazy because I think right now, Twitter is probably my least used, I should probably use it a little bit more, but it's like where I'm at the least of all of them. And back then that was like my main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy times, but I, I think you're right about, you know, like even going back, you probably learned lessons from just watching things back then and just seeing how they progressed and seeing how social media progressed versus if you would have taken things, you know, it, it could have changed so many different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I wanna go back to what you said about Uh, how athletes can, you know, telling their stories and sharing those deeper stories can build like that deeper engagement and connection with um, their audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think that that's such an important message, because building that using your influence and building that influence in a good way, probably is going to feel more authentic for athletes who might be, you know, kind of hesitant to say, like, I want to put myself out there, I want to build my brand, that's something I hear a lot is athletes who feel it's selling out or, it's like, you know, it's going to look fake if they're trying to put in all this effort because they want to get a sponsorship or they want to, um, you know, just have more more followers or things like that. But when you do it from a place of, you know, building this deeper influence for good to inspire people, motivate people, um, I, it, it can not only help you with the sponsorships and actually your conversion rates and all those things, but also just like inspires you to keep posting and keep doing it more consistently. What have you seen even personally or from other athletes In that sense that they're doing it from for a different reason and from a different place. And they're able to, you know, make it more sustainable as well as even get better brand deals because of the way that they've built their influence. It's not just like they're modeling or something like that. It's a little bit more deeper.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the the number one thing they have to understand is that it has to be genuine to who you are. So you, you can't try to force building a brand. I mean we we all have at the essence of what a brand means it's your reputation so we all have a brand but when you're trying to build a sustainable um brand that creates other opportunities it has to be built on on a platform that's authentic and you can't try to force things because someone else is doing it or because it looks like the cool thing to do you have to stand for what you believe in what you're passionate about what you're interested in because eventually it's going to come to light you know you can't fake the funk but for so long and i think You know athletes are really you know we're we're living in a time where obviously there's a lot of social unrest and angst as far as you know covid and things of that nature but i think there's a lot of athletes who are using their platforms and not even afraid of the repercussions or consequences of like losing followers or losing sponsorship opportunities but they're speaking on things that they care about that's the most important thing is that no matter you know if you're no matter if you're trying to create opportunities or revenue streams outside of sports You got to stand up for what you believe in at the end of the day. And you can't, you know, when you lay lay your head, you know, on a pillow at night, you got to be comfortable and, uh, you know, assure of yourself that you are living your truth. You got to be able to look yourself in the mirror every day. You know, I think that's the most important thing is just being true to who you are as an athlete, understanding uh, what you believe in, what your value system looks like, and putting that out into the world that's that's really what matters. And that's what brain what builds a sustainable legacy and makes that impact because people are going to resonate with something that's true to you more than anything else.
0: Yeah, Uh, no, I love that. And you spoke about that on the panel that we were on. And that's it's so important, especially now when people are really starting to speak up and use their voice. So what are some do's and don'ts that you would give to athletes who are starting to to speak up and um, talk about issues, social issues on their platforms?
1: The most important thing I I tell athletes, and I I mentioned this on on the panel, um, is to be informed about the topic you're speaking about, like whether it's mental health or police brutality or, you know, any type of social injustice or social issue and something you care about, like understand the nuances of what's going on so that, you know, when you do speak out, when you are voicing yourself or, um, you know, message out into the world, you, you you're doing it with some some brevity and and some some knowledge put behind it you're not just speaking out of emotion or passion you're speaking because you <clears throat> excuse me have done your research and ha- no understand what's going on you know and then it goes right. back to what i said before like if you really believe in something like i don't care how many people are going to be opposed to it or how many critics and haters you have how many people cuss you out on twitter or on instagram or posts. Uh, inappropriate comments like at the end of the day like people did that during the civil rights era when Muhammad Ali and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell and all these people spoke out and used th- what what platform they did have um, to bring more awareness to something that they thought was an injustice so I think we look back now and those are some of the, the most important people in our society like we still talk yeah. we're going to be talking about Muhammad Ali for the rest Hopefully for the rest of all time, because of what he did, what he stood for as a man, not not just an athlete. So, um, be informed about the topic. Number one, like do your research, know what you're talking about. And two, like if you don't waver, like if you believe in it, don't waver at all. You know you're gonna be faced with some criticism. You you're an athlete. You got you got thick skin. You know you've been there before. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've been in that adverse situations. So you you gotta you gotta just go full steam ahead like that. So that that's I mean, that's really my, my my biggest two points that I uh can give any athlete. And I use Colin Kaepernick as a great example. I'm not saying anybody has to give up their athletic careers, but you know, here here's somebody who felt like there was a wrongdoing in the in the country and felt like it was in his best interest to sit during the national anthem and did it despite, you know, president Trump talking about him and all these other haters and all these other people uh, voicing their opinion on his actions, but he silently protested and ultimately it crossed him his career. But he's now formed a a whole movement behind it and has built a platform that has allowed him to still have opportunities. Like he signed a deal to do, uh, to storytell with Disney. He's on the board of Medium, the, the writing platform. He has his own publishing company. Like he still has opportunities, he still can, create opportunities for himself without football being in the picture. So uh, I'll reiterate, I'm not telling anybody to give up their their sport, but if you believe in something, stand behind it at the end of the day because you'll be able to look yourself in the mirror.
0: Right. And even, like, Nike took a stand with him, and so he didn't lose that sponsorship. They, you know, they stuck with his side, and they didn't waver either. And I think that's that's really cool because I think sometimes athletes can play on the fence and, like, try to, you know, maneuver their ways around social issues because they don't want to – you know, lose fans on either side or whatever it is. But at the, nowadays it's just, that doesn't pass. And it doesn't pass with your sponsors either, really, because now even the brands themselves are taking a stance. And so if their athletes aren't following suit, it's, it's hard.
1: Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, what's right is what's right. You know, like if, if there's something wrong in the world and you speaking out on it, like, (laughs) there's, there's nothing really anybody can say about something being wrong. You know, yeah. at the uh, long term speaking, like people are gonna be opposed to it if they feel differently. But at the end of the day, as long as you're you're doing what's right, like morally right, ethically right, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. No, it's 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 crazy. Like I know. Um. Like uh, I was saying last week on the uh on the live that, uh, every time I post anything about like women in sport, I lose like fifty followers. But it's like those aren't lost like if they people are following me a female athlete and they don't support women in sport then like what are you even doing they're not people who are going to be following the brands that I promote or my sponsors or my message like there's who knows why they're here but it's like it's not nothing lost so I think if any athletes are you know they're speaking out and they're talking about social issues or whatever that they care about or any wrongdoings don't be afraid to lose some people, especially when you're well informed and you're really solid about your stance. Like like you said, like you know your stuff about it, then don't don't worry about it because I think those people are probably there for different reasons than you want them to be.
1: Right. Those are not the people you want on you anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, exactly. No, exactly. Like I'm all for you know, some people have different opinions about different things. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Some people like it, some people don't. But those are issues that you can you can still chill with but there's some issues that are like "Mm, it's just it's too tough
1: yeah if you if you you unfollow me because i'm speaking out on racism you're probably racist so (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like i did not want
0: you here yeah (laughs) Uh, that's exactly it yeah so i think i think athletes should keep that in mind because i know like as much as people say like followers are vanity metrics and different things like that it is you know Psychologically and like chemically, it's like dopamine in our brain. And so for an athlete, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm losing these followers. I need these followers for my sponsors, whatever it is. If your sponsors support the message that you're you're promoting, or even if they don't, like these aren't the followers that you want, and this isn't you know what you want to build your brand on. These
1: people. Hundred percent. No, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so let's, let's get into like how athletes can uniquely monetize like different other than sponsorships. What are ways that athletes can, can make money and even ways that athletes can start right now when, you know, a lot of say college athletes aren't even starting some, I, I did I see that there was some news at a D2 and D3 schools today? I think I, I saw something that maybe they're not oh, playing.
1: Or... I was in the computer all day. So I, I yeah. To, <laughs> news, I, I it.
0: missed it. I was, yeah, it I was at the like gym and... something every day. I know it's crazy. Everything's progressing. I think a lot of fall sports are not going to be happening. So it'll yeah. be interesting. And I know some schools are cutting, cutting sports. So yeah. Like what are ways that athletes can, can start making money? Um, whether they're a college athlete or not, whether they're under NCAA rules or not.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think this is really good because I-, I feel like it's more prevalent now than ever before with, you know, like you said, a lot of, a lot of fall sports are probably not going to happen. And I've even heard news that you know NFL is in trouble. So Um, for a lot of these, these athletes who, you know, they're going to need to support their families, other revenue streams. I mean, there's tons of different ways, but it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, thinking outside of the box and being creative with how you're, how you're trying to make money. Nowadays, it's easy to start a clothing line. You, all you got to do is, you know, set up a Shopify site and, you know, you can do drop shipping or whatever the case may be. Like there's so many opportunities, like affiliate marketing podcast sponsorships, sponsorships, traditional sponsorships on social media, um, speaking opportunities, training sessions, like there's a number of different ways uh, you you can create revenue streams outside of sports as an athlete, even if you think you don't, you know, have any skills or anything of that nature, people will pay you to learn what you know or you to train them or come speak to their team, whatever the case may be, but it's about understanding uh, I think one, what you're what you care about, what you're passionate about, two, what you're good at. You know, because not everybody's gonna be a good business person to sh- to set up an e-commerce platform or not everybody's gonna be a good speaker to go out here and, and you know in the world we're living now, you're doing virtual uh speaking engagements or or speaking to teams, you know, over Zoom or whatever the case may may be. Um not everybody's gonna be good at that. So you have to figure out what you're good at and what you actually like to do. And then figure out what are the different ways to actually make money doing this. and so um i think i think that's how athletes have to start thinking about it and like i said before now is 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 the time to really understand how to make money outside of sports because we don't know what this is going to look like the next several months especially with student athletes um you know being on the verge of, of name image and likeness and them being able to monetize their brands and professional athletes potentially not having a season and we just don't know what the future holds so the more you un- build these skills and understand how to leverage your, your relationship capital and your brand outside of sports the more you can set yourself up for success when you're done playing but even now when it's when you need the income
0: right i always like with all the opportunities that you mentioned and just everything that's going on i wish i mean despite COVID COVID I'll just like ignore that but like with all the like Shopify and all those things I wish that I was at the peak of my career like still in my snowboard career now when we have all these opportunities like growing up I would sell make and sell agility ladders and we'd say they came from you know myself and my brother I was like 10 years old or something like that and he was even younger and we you know we were local baseball hockey athletes and so we would say they came from us other little athletes who are trying to make money but imagine if we had Shopify or social media like just you know saying that like these kids who are 10 are making and selling these like it would have blown up like versus us just posting posters no one knows who it came from there's you know there's so many opportunities that athletes I think are overlooking um, because really it's at their fingertips and it's free to start they don't have to they don't have to pay anything. Like even with with clothing lines, like things can be drop shipped and made, and like you pay once the orders are in. Like there's so many opportunities. It's crazy. Oh, no
1: inventory, it's... like
0: yeah, <laughs> it it's is, like you don't crazy. have to be shipping everything out. Like it's it's. Right. Yeah, we live in a crazy time right now.
1: Yeah. It's but it's it, it, I mean it goes back to like are you willing to put in the work to build those skills, you know? It, yeah. it took you a long time to become a successful athlete, it's probably going to take you a long time to actually you know, build the skill where you're consistently making money with whatever your side hustle is going to be, but you know, put in the same apply the same mindset, the same effort to that, you know, and you will start to see results and you will potentially create something that you can walk into when you're done playing.
0: Yeah. What what some mindset tips that you can give to athletes right now who are facing maybe a potential non-season or they're facing even, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, my career is over because if this is, this was going to be my last season and now it's not going to happen. What are things that they can look at when they're transitioning and just like the mindset shift that they can take into the next stage of life?
1: It's really difficult because I don't think anybody has endured something like this before. Um, and so for athletes, I mean, just... You know ba- based off of my transition and what i've known other athletes to to kind of go through when they figuring out what they want to do next uh i, I think the, the two points i made earlier about understanding what you're interested in what you're good at um is really key when it comes to finding a career and then the the biggest thing probably the most important thing i tell a lot of athletes is just be patient like i feel like i'm now like i've been down playing for like three and a half years four years as a pro Um, and I I feel like right now, like I'm just starting to really figure out where I'm trying to go and it took, it it takes a while to really, cause you've been doing something your entire life, like 15, 20 plus years. Like it's hard to put that down and then figure out, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like what, what, what do I actually love enough to put the same amount of effort I put into sports? That's Mm. hard to do. And it takes some athletes a really, really long time. And so you have to be patient with yourself throughout the process. I understand that it's it's probably not going to happen overnight. You're not going to find that that your one thing or your thing right away, but the more you kind of explore and and uh just taste things for lack of better words, um the more you you start to figure out who you are and what you what you're about, you know, what what you see yourself doing long term. So it's about patience, understanding what you're good at, understanding what you're interested in or could be interested in, and then just trying things and not being afraid to fail at the end of the day. And I think a lot of athletes already have that mindset because, you know, we've been through so many obstacles, adversity, failures to actually become pros and even college athletes. So applying that, that relentless mindset to business or whatever your next career could potentially be is really important and understanding that you, you might fail, but- you know, pick yourself back up and just keep trying at it.
0: Yeah, that's no, so important. It's, such, it's it's definitely unprecedented times, but I think, you know, it's kind of the same mindset and the same kind of feeling as anyone who's been transitioning either as an athlete or, you know, switching jobs or they, they lost their job of, you know, 20, 30 years during this time. And now they're seeking what's my next career move or what's the next thing. And so I think it's so important. I think It's important that everyone talk about it and share the share the struggles even that you're going through because it's going to help other people like we mentioned at the top start of this and it's also therapeutic to put it out there
1: yeah i think another key is understanding that through adversity comes innovation so if you look back at like in the us like the the 08 financial crash like i was a sophomore in high school but think about how many big companies came from that that those years those two years where you know everybody was kind of on edge and didn't really know what to do next those, those people who thought outside of the box and, you know, innovated, created big time companies and
0: uh, Uber, that's why a lot yeah.
1: of, right. Um, I can't even think of it. There's several come, I think Airbnb came out of that era mm-hmm. initially. There were several companies that just are mega companies now because the founders innovated. They were able to take something that is perceived as a negative or adversity and turn it into something positive. And to me, that's an that's an athlete trait. That's an innate athlete trait It's like, oh, we're down 20. How are we going to how are we going to respond? You know, what I'm saying like, how are we going to react to the situation? Because it's not about what happens to you. It's how you react to it. That's life. And it's applying that kind of mindset that, you know, never, never quit, never fail type mindset to whatever else you're trying to do next.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's that's key. I think that that feature alone is like so important for athletes to bring into entrepreneurship, because not every entrepreneur has that. But athletes innately have that and they can bring that to the table. And of course, like, you can't expect to be great from day one, you're gonna have to learn a lot of things, nuances of business, and not everyone is, you know, that have the skill set of business, that's for sure. And it can take you a long time to figure things out. But I do think some of those core traits can be applied to really anything in life, and carry you forward with success
1: yeah I'm laughing because as you said that I I can think about you know I've been doing this for like four years three and a half four years and I can't count on you know my I can it's impossible for me to count how many times I've failed or like messed something up or just felt like oh my goodness like what am I doing like it happens Mm -hmm. all the time but it's like all the time are you gonna keep going or you gonna quit (laughs) you know (laughs) so I mean that's really what it's about but like as a, as, a, as a business person, entrepreneur, I mean, you're trying to learn the ropes, like, and this is for the rest of your life. Like, it's gonna take a while, and you got to go through those bumps and and, resist, and and I'm still going through them.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it. I don't think it ever, ever ends. Like, if you're right, right. pushing that that growth limit, oh, it's just yeah. It, you always wish you're like, oh, you know what? Next week will be less stressful, or you know, next year, once I get the hang of this, it's gonna be smooth sailing. But I think you know, as as an athlete, you, you never actually want that. Like, you know, the minute you get there, there's a new goal, there's a new thing, you're trying to do something else. And so you never get to that place of just comfort.
1: Yeah, yeah, constantly pushing those limits.
0: Oh, yeah. So what are some some tips? I just want to break it down for people depending on like what age they are. Like, for example, an athlete who is even younger than the college level, so say they're high school or starting out, depending on different sports, I know even like with snowboarding, for example, there's kids coming up at like 10 years old now that are already getting sponsors and different things. But what are tips for them or their parents on what they can start doing to help athletes, like building those foundations and the platform of their brand to carry them forward, whether they become a professional or if they, you know, later in life, transition to something else?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we, we talked a lot about the foundational elements, I think, being genuine and authentic, with your platform and the story that you're telling is is point blank number one um understanding and having having a direction for where you're trying to go what, what your vision is i think is really important so you know w- what is your why what is your objective with all this why are you doing it? um and then also understand your values what is your brand values and then um another key would probably be your brand positioning statement so i mean there's tons of athletes out there who play your sport who are just like you. What makes you different? Why should a brand want to do a deal with you? Why should somebody give this opportunity to you over another athlete? So it's understanding mm-hmm. those nuances and those subtle um, tactics that help you gain an edge over your competition or another athlete who might be competing for the same deals as you or the same opportunities. So I think when you when you look at a brand and some of the most the biggest personal brands in the world. They're the ones who really understand the foundation of, wh- of what, they're, what they're about um, and, and what kind of drives their brand in the direction that they're trying to go. So I think those, those are some of the, like the, the keys and some of the, the small strategies that athletes should probably start to think about uh, when they're younger, because these are, these are things that a lot of athletes aren't doing at that age. But when you do right. it, you kind of create that separation. And by the time you're in high school or college you know, brands opportunities are knocking at your door because you did the the groundwork, you laid the foundation, and now you you start to see the 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 reaping the benefits and awards and the fruits of your labor. So, I think I think that's right. really key for for younger athletes to, to start understanding.
0: Yeah, no, I, I that's why I wish social media was around even earlier because I think you know going back, I wouldn't say that I would done things differently, but I would have been more intentional earlier. Or I would have at mm-hmm. least started thinking about these branding and the foundations and all that stuff as early as I could, whether it's like actually taking the time to act on it or not, just even just reading about it and learning about it, um, reading about it in, in your book, like, all mm-hmm. those things are perfect for, for kids to start doing, even if they don't want to be already putting themselves out there and doing these things. They don't have to necessarily, but they can at least do do the work in here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, as social media will continue to evolve and technology as a whole and athletes becoming their own media companies, your brand, and your IP, that's what's really important is that that intellectual property is going to be so important going forward. So it's it's really up to the parents of these young athletes to understand um, why this is so important and how it's going to kind of give their their child, that young athlete, a leg up in life. In life in general not just in sports but in life
0: yeah so one of my last questions is like are there any examples or athletes that you would suggest like other athletes to follow or or see like i know for example there's the athlete right now who's blogging in the bubble i think that's like a really unique way to get your yeah. name out there um Let's i think that's really cool yeah, yeah he's i think that's out. so cool uh yeah his youtube went from like zero to what, i think like three million or maybe even more by now actually I think last time I saw it, he was at three million or something like that
1: yeah he's 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 definitely one to watch he's he's still having
0: me yep we're good it was a yeah slight delay.
1: He, he, he's definitely one to watch I think I don't know how his who his producer or video editor is or if he does it himself because <laughs> something I think stuff I heard he's incredible. trying to
0: learn it himself That's
1: although crazy. maybe
0: he's he's passed it on now I don't know yeah
1: yeah, he's he's definitely one to watch. I think his relationship with Gen Z, um, that demographic and audience is is probably really strong. Um, I think there's a lot of athletes. I mean, it just kind of depends on what you're what you're into. I think Juju Smith Schuster is another NFL player who does a great job in the kind of the esports yeah. space and he has a really young fan base that he's really connected with. I think obviously, you know, i I'll always go back to LeBron James I and mean, he's a pinnacle to me because um I don't think there's ever been another athlete who has created, helped create a, a school, a public school uh, during their careers. I mean, that's unheard of. And just his, his uh, kind of footprint in the entertainment space and, and what he's been able to do. Um, I think a lot of female athletes, I mean, Maya Moore and, and how she kind of used mm-hmm. her, influence, her platform to uh, help a an innocent man get out of prison. I mean, that's just incredible to think about. So there's a ton of different athletes who are understanding the the impact and the leverage that they have to to make a difference in the world, but also to create opportunities for themselves, whether that's in business or whatever. So um, it just kind of depends on, you know, who you're interested in. But like you said, social media has kind of democratized everything. So we can see on a daily basis what these athletes are doing, how they're um, creating these opportunities. And, and what they're what they're what they're doing on a daily basis to to make this. Happen. so um like I said there's just there's there's too many athletes to really name that depends on what you're what you're
0: into yeah no I I love these stories of what's going on and even especially now like like you said with all the companies that kind of come out of these tough times and adversity i think there's athletes who are really building their brands out of what's going on whether it's getting onto TikTok because there's no sports and so they're just posting a ton of videos and all of a sudden they're blowing up or youtubing the bubble which is like a crazy unique situation that doesn't happen all the time so i think that you know this is really making or breaking some athletes brands right now which is you know a huge opportunity for some athletes you don't have to be the pro to start doing some stuff now and maybe show others how you're training in the quarantine, how you're training by yourself, or think of new ways that you can create content or connect with your followers.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with the idea of creating content when it's as easy as just documenting the things I think you do a fantastic job of kind of showing your day to day and through your your trainings and your workouts, like showing people the behind the scenes and really creating that rapport. Um, And I think it's really as simple as that, like you don't need to have, obviously it helps, but you don't need to have like the professional editing and all the bells and whistles. Like at the end of the day, as long as you're, you know, putting out something that's true to who you are and you're either entertaining, educating or providing some type of of value to your audience, that's what matters. And that could be easy as, you know, picking up the iPhone and recording a video and posting it on Instagram, like put it out there, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I think a lot of people, they get overwhelmed with the equipment or the different things. And a lot of what I tell athletes or coaches or even business owners is like, you you don't have to be like Casey Neistat on YouTube, where every video is like this creative work of art, because that's what he does. Like, his whole and thing it, is...
1: It took him years to get to that point, too. Like, he's been doing this for a long time. Oh, long forever.
0: Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like that's his thing and like every video and it takes so long like I know even for me like I don't put any transitions I'm like literally like I'm trying to run a business and train and do all these things and then document it and edit it and do these different concepts like my day of training series and I'm like you know I, I like to do it because I know what went on during the day versus if I had an editor who's like somewhere else and I'm just sending it off and of course right now like with everything going on I can't have like this other filmer an editor with me. It's like, really, it's like me and my boyfriend, because we're, in, we're the only people who can't social distance um, filming these right now. And so, uh, yeah, you, you can just start with anything. Like, I, I hope that that inspires people to just start and just even just put yourself out there with documenting your training or documenting behind the scenes. If you can't think of like something creative to put out there, it's, it's okay. Just Pick something that you can be consistent with. Because if you, you were like, oh my gosh, I got to be Casey Neistat. You work three weeks on making one video and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be months before I can create another. It's not going to help you at all. It's it's not going to do anything. Like you, you just got to keep that consistency. So whatever you, that you can do, whether it's your iPhone, whether it's video, whether it's posting a tweet, screenshotting it, putting it up on your, on your account. Like it can be any of those things. It can be as simple as that. So
1: no, that's real. That's real. And I, that's it. goes back to like, to me, what you're comfortable doing, what you are I think, you know, what you feel like you're good at, you're, you're not going to have as much trouble doing every day. So going like for me, it was writing and I still, you know, write every day. And that's something that I can kind of repurpose. So whether it's like an article I write and I can take a quote out of the article, post it on Twitter, and then take a screenshot of the Twitter post and post it on Instagram, or, you know, take some paragraphs and post it on LinkedIn or put, put the, the the article on linkedin like there's all different ways to kind of take your content and repurpose it in different ways so you're still hitting every platform but understanding what your what your strength is and going all in on that and being consistent i think is really important Mm
0: yeah no i think that you you know your strength really well and you you let it shine really well i think you're doing a great job with that because i know like you with the written word like you you're on linkedin nonstop. and for me it's like twitter (laughs) and linkedin are the ones that i'm I, i love writing and i love doing it but because i've like i'm out training and i'm like you know what if i post like my training videos that i can then touch on mindset motivation different things so i've kind of like gone all in on that strength of like videoing the stuff that i'm doing or photos and using that versus you, you seem to be like really hitting on using your written word and, and putting that across all the different platforms. And yeah, you're like, I, I, every time I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's all the time on LinkedIn. And you probably think, like <laughs> I'm all the time on video. So it's, it's, uh, you you can really go all in on whatever your different strength is.
1: But that's what that's what creates a brand that consistency.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, uh, one last thing I want to leave athletes with is, like, be self-aware. Like, you know, get to know what, what you're good at, what your strengths are, what you enjoy doing, because it's the only way you're going to be consistent with it. It's like taking a class in school that you hate. You're not going to pay attention. You're not going to keep showing up and doing the work. But if you find something that you can really keep doing, and, and it doesn't have to be creating, it can just be documenting.
1: Yeah, no, like like Drake said, you got to know yourself, you know? You got to know yourself. It matters, and I, I, I wish I had, like, some tips on how to build self-awareness but i think it truly comes from just trying shit you know just trying different things and figuring out what works for you that's that's how you awareness doesn't just happen Mm. you gotta make it happen
0: yeah i think it was like january february i tried to make a record a podcast there's like a a solo podcast about self-awareness and i was thinking i was like it's so hard to tell like how do you figure out how to tell people how to build self-awareness really it's just just paying attention. (laughs) I think it's paying attention, getting feedback from other people, but more importantly, getting feedback from yourself. Like you said, with journaling and writing those things down, that that can be really important. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely key.
0: So I always like to ask people uh, this last question, if you could describe your legacy or what your legacy or what you want your legacy to be in one word, what would that one word be? Oh, impact. I like it.
1: Yeah, it's only I, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. If you haven't seen, I keep bringing up the book, but it's called "Impact Beyond the Game." So <laughs> that's it. Yeah, impact. No, I like that. So, where where can people find you? What are some last things you want to leave people with if they want to get your book or uh, see more about what you do or the consulting that you might offer?
1: For sure, I appreciate the opportunity, Natalie. Uh, first and foremost, but they can follow me on every social media platform. I'm on. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, as you as you as you already know. Um but yeah, hit hit me up. Um you can also check out my website at MalcolmLemons.com or shoot me an email at MalcolmLemons at gmail dot com. I'm very responsive. So
0: Awesome. Well thank you so much for coming on. Have a great rest of your day. And uh yeah, you guys gotta go check him out, especially on LinkedIn. He crushes it over there
1: and yeah, look I forgot to plug the book you can Amazon barnes and noble uh, target every every major book retailer um, it's called impact beyond the game how to teach teaching athletes how to build leverage and monetize their personal brands and create a legacy so uh, we appreciate any feedback or for anybody check it out
0: if you like this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at Natalie Allport and check out my website, www.natalieallport.com. Thank you for tuning in.